Well, today our text was found in John chapter 6. And I invite you to turn there in your Bibles to John chapter 6 today, or it may be on the screen. As we talk about Christ's unusual recruitment strategy, <laughs> um, and of course that is, do you want to leave also? <laughs> Let me think that sounds like maybe on the face of it, not very good recruitment strategy. Um, would you like to leave also? Um, we'll come back to that. But how many of you have ever been recruited for something? And how many of you remember how you were recruited? Anybody ever recruited uh, to some task or purpose? You were called to something and you remember exactly how that happened. Anybody here? All right. How many of you have ever had a negative experience in recruitment? How many of you have ever had a positive experience in recruitment, okay? How many of you just don't know what I'm talking about? Um, I was thinking about it as, you know, as I, this morning and I was thinking, you know, have I ever had, you know, negative recruitment strategies that actually turn it out, turned out well? Um, I, I, I remember one, there was a man that uh, I had just started coming back to the Lord and I had had um, you know, an altercation with my father, so I went to a retreat and uh, to retreat from my father, but he ended up going to the same retreat. That didn't work so well. And I was retreating there, and I was walking through the woods, and this man came up to me and he said, Hi, my name's Tony. I said, Hello, Tony. And uh, he said to me, do you know how to pray? And I said, yeah, I, I know how to pray. He goes, no, you don't. And I said, well, uh, yeah, actually, actually, I do. And he goes, no, you, you really don't. And I said, am I, <laughs> am I hearing you correctly? I'm telling you no, I know how to pray, and you're saying that I don't? And he said, uh, yeah, you don't have a clue. And I was like, actually, I do, I, I do know how to pray. And he said, no, you don't. I said, well, who, who, who are you to tell me whether or not I know how to pray? He goes, it's just true. It's true. And I was, I was just coming back to the Lord, okay? I, I wasn't quite back yet. So I, I actually started to call him some, some names that were not really godly names. I don't find them in any Bible stories. And then he goes, see, I knew it! You don't know how to pray as you are. So he, he walks away. This was an unusual recruitment strategy because he said, if you want to know how to pray... Come to my apartment, my cabin, right over there, four o'clock. And I was like, you know, of all the things I thought that I might do today, that's not one of them. <laughs> Think maybe I'd rather stick needles in my eyes than go to that guy's apartment. And I'm walking along, and I come along, and I come through some woods. And I see some other people, and they're all talking to each other. They're very excited and kind of upset. And I, came, I said, what happened? He goes, this guy came up to us, just talked to us, made us very upset. What did he say? He told us we don't know how to pray. <laughs> so was this guy's name Tony? Yeah. What do you, did he look like? Yes. Then we come across another group. They said the same thing. This guy came up to us and told us we don't know how to pray. I said, you know what? We should go teach that guy something. <laughs> and he go, what are you recommending? I said, you know, <laughs> I think we should lay hands on this guy. <laughs> so we started walking towards the place, the seminar, <laughs> and we had some bad intentions. <laughs> And we got in there, 
And he saw that we were a little upset. He pulled his Bible out to Romans chapter 8, verse 26, and he read, You do not know how to pray as you ought. This is what the Bible says. <laughs> and we were like, This is unusual recruitment strategy. <laughs> Have you ever had an unusual recruitment strategy that... Uh, that brought you, you know, to the Lord. As I was reading through John this morning, getting ready for our text, you know, Jesus did a lot of things that were unusual, you might say, recruitment strategies. Uh, some of them seem, you know, maybe innocuous, but he went to a wedding, he turned the water into wine, he went to the temple. He threw the money changers out of the temple. Um, he made provocative statements that drew attention. If you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up in three days. People are, what in the world? <laughs> I like this one, though. He's talking to a lady by a well, and he says, Where's your husband? Lady says, I, I don't, don't, don't have a husband. He goes, okay, that's correct. You, you've actually had five husbands, and the one you're living with is not your husband. How many think this is just an unusual recruitment strategy? But you know that Lax actually later on, she said, that's the reason I knew you were the Messiah. That's the reason I knew it. You told me everything I ever did. I was reading a statement this last week. Um, and uh, this is kind of an interesting statement. Unless the attention of people is gained, all effort for them will be useless. The word of God cannot be understood by the inattentive. They need a plain, thus saith the Lord, to arrest their attention. Let them see that their cases are tried and condemned by the Bible, not by the lips of men. That they are arraigned at the bar of infinite justice, not before an earthly tribunal. What is being said here? Sometimes provocative statements that totally... <laughs> You know, knock us off like Tony saying to me, you don't know how to pray. You know, later on, I realized Tony was right. When he led through that seminar that day, I realized I did not know how to pray. And you know, ever since then, I've used what Tony taught me to teach people how to pray. Unusual recruitment strategy by Tony unusual recruitment strategy by, by the Lord. Let me continue this quote. When the plain cutting truths of the Bible are presented before them, it comes directly against long cherished desires and confirmed habits. <laughs> now let me ask you folks that are here from New Start. When you first came to New Start, <laughs> Did you ever hear convicting messages, maybe from science, that came across long cherished desires and <laughs> confirmed habits? No? When you saw the food the first time in the cafeteria, did you go, what is that? Right? Like, that's what manna means. <laughs> The word manna means, what is that? And every single time I've had people come to health seminars and whatnot, and they're used to seven, six to ten of the same foods day in, day out. But what they see there is all this stuff that they never would eat in a thousand years, even if you put it before them, and that's all there is. And they kind of go, what is that? Right? And uh, many times in health seminars over the years invited, you know, speakers that would come. I mentioned T. Colin Campbell last night. I mentioned, um, I didn't mention any of the others, but 
William Castelli, John McDougall, uh, Caldwell Esselstyn. I remember Caldwell Esselstyn, I had him come once, and I was driving him around in my little T, Pontiac T-1000, we drive excitement. Tiny little car, there was no excitement in that car whatsoever. It was like a Chevette without an engine. Anyway, I was with him and I took him to the television station because I got him in. I was a great promoter. Like, you know, I could, I could get people into places. I could, you know. So I got him on TV. I always got all these people on TV. And I got him on TV because I said, this guy won the Olympics. He was in the Olympics in rowing because I saw that. And that's what I said. So I get him in there and then there's this health correspondent. And the health correspondent starts to interview him. She says, you know, we're right here in Kansas. We're in dairy country. And you're talking against dairy. Don't you realize that milk makes your bones strong? That milk has high levels of calcium? This is the... And I'm like, oh, no. No. This is like waving a red flag before a bull. Any of you know Caldwell Esselstyn? And so he... (laughs) He goes... He says to the lady, he goes, you're interested in strong bones. Yes. You want high calcium. Yes, he says. Do you know what the highest calcium is in milk? She goes, no, I don't. Rat milk. Rat milk has the highest concentration. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And that goes all across Kansas. Rat milk. Unusual statement. (laughs) And I never was invited back to that television station again. But these people, Caldwell Esselstyn, all these different people that are kind of luminaries within the, you might say the um, food just grown group that are promoting that to stop, reverse, better yet prevent disease. These are not mild individuals. These people did research, they stand on that research, and they went against the majority of people. When you, have, when you come to New Star, you're not talking to the majority type people. You're talking to people that have made a stand for something they believe in. And that very thing kind of is a recruitment, isn't it? When you hear Dr. Gallant's testimony about how he lost all that weight and his life completely changed? Isn't there something enamoring about that? They are convicted. So when a plain cutting truth of the Bible, or we might even say science, is presented before them, it comes directly across the long cherished desires and confirmed habits. They are convicted. And then it is that they specially need your counsel, encouragement, and prayer. Many times, right at that time is when we pull away. Do you like to talk to people who are angry? How many of you just love that? You offended them by something you said, and you go, well, let's just, let's keep talking it through. So many times we, we, we pull away at the very time when we should not pull away. Someone told me last week, uh, two weeks ago, I was on a tour, and they told me, you know, was, uh, these people came to my church, and they came, and the pastor got up, and he preached this sermon that they're never going to come back. I don't know why the pastor said that. The pastor, and he, see, they went on and on for a while, and I listened, and they go, what do you think about that? And I was like, well, with that introduction, there's only one thing I can say, and that is that was a very bad pastor. That's what they wanted me to say. But did I say that? I said, well, you know, the thing is you've got to understand signs of conviction. Sometimes when people are convicted, they get angry. Sometimes when they're convicted, they laugh. Sometimes when they're convicted, they cry. Sometimes this probably was a sign of conviction. Did you go and visit them? Oh, no, no, I wouldn't do that. They're already offended. I said, no, 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 no. This is a missed opportunity. And I sent them the list of signs of conviction. 
And here it is. Many a precious soul balances for a time and then takes his position on the side of error because he does not have this personal effort at the right time. Signs of conviction. Wow. In John, the Gospel, what we have in our passage today is Christ's recruitment strategy with his 12 disciples, but with many others. Throughout the book of John, he have all of these provocative statements and activities. And all of them were designed to give people an opportunity to step forward in faith, that is to believe. And the big thing in the Gospel of John is belief. If you believe in me, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the big message of John. If you believe, you will have what? Everlasting life. Not ten more years of life. Everlasting life. Not avoiding heart disease, diabetes, all that stuff. Everlasting health. Not just ten years Forever. And as I read through those belief statements, they were just amazing. <laughs> but they were provocative. Destroy this temple, three days I'll raise it up. It actually did happen. Because his body was the temple and he arose after three days. And they all believed even more so when that happened. You have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. It actually was true. And it led to belief. Go your way, your son lives. And at that very moment, the nobleman said, I believe that. And he got home and he asked, when did he feel better? Right at that moment. So, uh, uh, here's another one. Who's going to feed all these people that are following me? <laughs> one disciple says, uh, uh, we don't have enough money to feed those folks. Another one says, uh, there's a guy here, he's got five loaves and two fishes, but what's that with so many? And then comes this faith statement, have them sit down. These were all, will you believe, opportunities, recruitment strategies for belief. God is always trying to recruit us to deeper faith and deeper belief. Yes or no? And probably one of the best things that happens on a New Start program is that when you follow these principles, you start seeing the results right there during that 18 days. And you go, I b -b 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 believe more. But God's not satisfied with that. He wants you to believe unto everlasting life. Not just life. Everlasting life. Right? I mean, they had to have everyone sit down. And then even he, there's no food yet. It's not like the trucks pull up and there's steam coming out of the back of those catering trucks. No, it's just a little guy with five loaves and two fishes. And then he prays. And thanks God for, he thanks his father for the food. Even before the food is there. <laughs> was that a faith move or what? When Lazarus was raised from the dead, he goes, oh, I thank you that you're going to raise him from the dead. Everything Jesus was doing was attempting to enlist people to more faith. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should have faith, believe in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. And this was his recruitment strategy. You know. And he walked on the water. How many think that was a recruitment strategy? He's walking on the water. But if you, just be honest, let's say you're down at Folsom Lake. I don't care what lake it is, Lake Tahoe. 
and you see someone walking on the water, how many of you would be recruited by that or freaked out by that? Be honest and we say, apparition of the devil. I mean, come on. But that was a what? Provocative activity by God that says, are you going to have faith or not in me? What was the faith move? Get in the boat. How many of you saw someone walking on the water would say, get in the boat? Or how many would turn the boat around and power it up and then drive off? But what did they do? They said, get in the boat. And I love how John's Gospel puts it. And what happened? Immediately, they were where they wanted to go. If you demonstrate that faith in God, immediately, there's immediate results. When you say you believe, you have eternal life. Amen? Amen? That's the point. It's the point of John. All this was in the disciples' minds when they came to that day when he's feeding the 5,000. And there were many, many, many more disciples. And then Jesus decides to kick it up a notch. Is that faith really valid? Is, are they truly demonstrating true belief? And he's always kind of testing to see whether or not this faith is genuine, this faith is true or not. So what does he say? I'm the living bread. <laughs> Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you're going to have no part with me. What? How many, how many think that's kind of radical right there? You're at, a, you're, you're at some meal and somebody says, I am the living bread. I mean, think about this. This is a definitely provocative statement, but it didn't come out of a vacuum, did it? This is John 6, not John 1. And there's this track record, but there's, wait a minute, do you truly, how many think it's good to, to be questioned now again concerning your true belief? Is that good or is that bad? How many have those people in your life that are always kind of pressing the envelope? They're, they're, they're asking you to go a little deeper in your trust of God. Are those good people or bad people? Are they good for you? Bad for you. This is his recruitment strategy, right? <laughs> and I love how Peter answers. Go with me now to John 6 and look at our text. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Notice it's disciples. These are believers already. And they went back and walked with him what? No more. <laughs> Verse 67. And then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Peter, Simon Peter answered him. Now, this is like the only story in the Bible where Peter gets it right. You know, Peter's usually like, he's the example of, okay, I'm an idiot. If I had six feet, they'd all be in my mouth. But this is where Peter shines. <laughs> If I'm Peter, probably I have this underlined in my Bible, right? <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Worked out good that day. Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know, that's to have faith, and to know that you are the Christ. The Son of the Living God. How, how could Peter know that? How? This is his recruitment strategy. Uh, the, the twelve follow him, and one of them is still a devil, Judas. It, it, actually, we're told in the book Desire of Ages that this was the time when Judas made the decision not to follow him anymore. 
says, no, he doesn't know how to take advantage of a political situation. He was about to be made king. <laughs> and he would be a great king. He could feed the 5,000. He could heal the sick. He could do that. He had it all. And look, all of us were with him, and now he goes down by his own making. I don't want to follow him anymore. But opposite of Judas, we have Peter who says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, why is it that he had such confidence at that time? Well, just three quick things. Number one, and how can we have in, in confidence ourselves? I like that song, by the way, the special music. Did you like Luis's song? I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed against that day. That kind of belief. Have you, have you seen a believer die recently? That had faith in God. I remember watching the former president of this institution, Herbert Douglas. I was at his bedside. He was dying. He decided not to have further treatment. His kidneys were giving out. He says, no, I'm ready to die. And when people would come in, he goes, now, don't you worry about it. I know who I have believed in. He would say that to People, guest after guest after guest, that came to visit him. He just had confidence in God. How many want to have that kind of confidence? Amen. So, number one, they had seen enough to have confidence in the past. I just went through some of those things. They had seen enough to know that Jesus was who he said he was. And you look at God, John's gospel, he was out actually prophetically living out all the things that their entire nation knew about. John chapter 1. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John chapter, John chapter 4. I am the water of life. John chapter 6. I am the bread. John chapter 8. I am the light. John 17, I pray. That's a high priestly prayer, and that's the altar of incense. John chapter 15, I have kept his commandments. The devil has nothing in me. Do you notice what John is saying? Jesus was the temple. He was the sanctuary. And he was living it out. So they knew that. They said, wait a minute. He's the Lamb of God. He's the water of life. They're going right through the things of the, of the temple and the sanctuary. So they knew, based on the prophecies, what they had seen. And not only that, they saw the miracles. They knew the past and they knew the present power of God. And this is why Peter could say, I believe. Now let me ask you a question. Did you see any miracles in the New Star program when you were there? Did you see people walking in and you said, there's no way that guy's going to live through this week. Anyone ever had that happen? I've seen it many times. I'm like, well, he should have drove an ambulance here or maybe a hearse. That dude's in trouble. But by the end of the week, he's walking around the flagpole. And by 18 days, he's walking the loop 20 times. And an amazing thing happens. I had a guy here once. His name was... Uh, what was this guy's name? Uh, George Chen. He was the first medical director here. Or one of the first ones in the New Star program back in the 70s. There was a guy in the Adventist church who was apostatizing. His name was Desmond Ford. He lived in Newcastle. Right down the street. Because he got kicked out of PUC. And he was living there and he was causing everybody to rethink, oh, wait a minute, can we trust the prophecies that the Adventist church is founded on? Remember that prophecy I showed you last night, the 23 day prophecy, that basically is also a health prescription. Remember I showed you that? They were all questioning that. My great uncle followed Desmond Ford at Avondale, so I heard about my whole life. He was the theology professor that followed him down where he came from. 
all their faith was being devastated. But you know what? I talked to the people here at New Start. I talked to George Chen. I said, how is it that you remained faithful right when he was right here? He says, oh man, there was all my friends were listening to him. They had all these talks and everything. And then it, I said, well, how did you remain faithful? He goes, you know why I did? Because I saw what happened with New Star patients. So explain that to me. Because I know they followed the principles that God had given and their lives were being, they were being saved right in front of my eyes. And I knew that's more true than what I was hearing from that guy. Can you say amen? The New Star patients saved the doctor's faith experience. So number one, the reason he had faith, they had faithfulness is because what they had seen in terms of fulfilled prophecy and modern miracles. Then, number two, I would say, it's because of what they had experienced themselves in their own lives. Not what they had seen with others, but in their own lives. Their own lives. Now, what do I mean by that? All of these disciples, let me just explain something. In that day, the recruitment strategy was that you tried to grovel up next to a rabbi or teacher. It might be Gamaliel or Halil or whoever it was. And you tried to join on to that, that guy, that rabbi, my guy, my rabbi, right? And that's not what happened to these guys. There's no way they could have ever had that happen. But then Jesus comes one day and actually directly recruits them. He comes to them. He sees them as fishermen. He says, you, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Next one. You got to understand something. This was like, that never happened. That was an unusual recruitment strategy. Usually it is, I'm going to send out my flyers. I'll send out, I'll put my webpage up. And people will come to me because of my pedigree. Because look, at I got the pen and suit. And I got a nice bow tie. And I also have that degree. No, that's not what Jesus did. He went and specifically recruited the students. Eugene does this. He does this. Uh, I've seen him go to... Uh, young disciple camp. The kids are like only, I don't know, three years old. No, they're not. They're, they're, they're young. Remember, we were there together. And he goes every year, and he goes, he can see, and he sees these people, and he says, you know, maybe God has a call in your life. And that's what Jesus did. Unusual recruitment strategy. Because he knew that the people he recruited to his school and by the way, it was a school, right? <laughs> Could make or break the future. He let, the only guy that comes out a traditional way, I'd like to apply to be in your school. It's the only guy that did things the normal way. I'm going to apply. That was the bad guy. Are we learning any lessons here? But they knew that God had called them. Has God ever knocked on your door? I mean, I'm going to say today he's knocking on your door. I'm giving you an invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? And he individually recruits. Can you remember when God individually recruited you? Does anyone remember when God individually reached out to you and said, follow me? Anybody here? Might have been through the means of someone else. He uses his body, the body of Christ. I, I, I remember uh, Mark Fox. He's an evangelist. I was not following the Lord as I should, uh, even close. And he came to my room, Meyer Hall, room 244. He goes, is Don here? I remember he says, no, he's, he's, in the, uh, he's going to get supplies for his store. I had a store called Max Snack Shack 
on the hungry's attack, don't panic, just call Mac and you know, bring your brown paper, paper sack and you always come back because I've got these, all these deals and I had all these deals and I was selling stuff that would not be acceptable in the New Star program. And I was making all kinds of money, so much so. Anyway, with all that, he comes to my room and he says, I got to be out of town this weekend and I'm wondering if you would teach my Sabbath school class, I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> Don't you know who you're talking to? And he goes, yeah, I do. And I, I think you should do it. And I was like, no, man. No, I, I'm not doing that. He goes, you're under conviction. <laughs> the reason you don't want to do it is because you know you're bad. And that's a good sign. Very good sign. You know you're bad. You know you're bad. Very bad. You're a very bad person. You don't have to keep being bad. You can make things right with God right now and teach my Sabbath school lesson. And I was like, you sly fox. This his name was Mark Fox. But then I thought about it. He says, why would you want to? You know, you know you're under conviction. I told him, I'm not doing it. So I went back to my room. He went back to his room. Two days later, he goes, I still haven't asked anyone else. I felt convicted that I need to wait. Are you sure that you don't want to do this? And I said, okay, I'll do it. I went and taught his Sabbath school lesson. I was as nervous as a cat in a room of rocking chairs. And I felt so like I shouldn't be doing that. I was like, look, all these people out here, they actually know I shouldn't be doing that. There was people out there who was like, no, it's not him. <laughs> they were all like, no, no, no. And then when I got done, they came up and they said, you know what? You should do that all the time. I was like, shut up. <laughs> Haven't you heard Dr. Binus's lecture? Shut up. Shut your mouth. They said, no, 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 you should do that. You should do that. And I said, well, then I'd have to be changing these things. Change that stuff then. <laughs> Here's the first, first point is they saw the prophecies. They saw that stuff. But the second point, they knew that God had called them when they were sons of thunder. When they had real problems. They had problems with their temper. They had all kinds of problems. And he knew they had problems, and yet he still called them. And he called those things which were not as though they were. And there's something powerful about that. Whatever our recruitment strategy is, we can't, we can't have it so hermetically, hermetically sealed that we don't have room for the Holy Spirit to call people that maybe we think aren't perfect. Because none of us are. Look at that person next to you and say, you're not perfect. Hmm? Well, go ahead, pull a Tony on them. You don't know how to pray as you are. You're not perfect. <laughs> well, since when was it that you're perfect that makes the difference? It's God is perfect, and he will work in and through you to perfect your character, and he'll get all the glory at that time. Was Peter perfect? That's why he's my favorite apostle, right? Oh, no. How many of you just identify with Peter? <laughs> okay, so what else did I put here in my little note? That's number one. Then number two. Number three, and this is the last one. Peter just believed, started to believe what Jesus had promised. You think about the promises in John 6. All these people complaining. Oh, he said that I'm, I'm the bread. No, oh, we can't. We don't like that. Oh, he said this. He said that his father, he's talking to his father. Oh, he's saying he's God. They're all criticizing everything he had to say. But look at what he did say that they, that they could have been holding on to. Here it is. I am the bread of life. 
He, he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Think about that promise. There's another one. Um, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing but raise them up on the last day. If I accept his promise, I'm going to be raised up on the last day. I mean, this is a great promise. Better than the promise you even received coming to New Star. You're probably going to have a 30% reduction in your cholesterol. This is going to happen. Uh, how many think those are good? But this is nothing compared to that. This is so much more. Amen? <laughs> Here's another one. This is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. I will raise him up on the last day. <laughs> Verse 47. Most assuredly I say to you. Whenever he said assuredly, that's the word verily, verily. It's like he's quoting his father. Most assuredly I say to you. Whoever believes in me has everlasting life. <laughs> this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, verse 54. And most people said, this is a hard saying. It wasn't a hard saying in terms of understanding. It's fairly clear. But it just meant they needed to go against the majority and say, you know, I believe that. I believe that. I'm going to stand under that. I'm going to follow that. I believe that. Do you think you could make a decision like that today? To believe in God? You know? That's the whole point. And it's not just busy work. It's eternal life. You know, nobody has died yet. You know that, right? Nobody has died the second death. Did you know that? Nobody's died the second death yet. Did you know that? Except for one person. One person that died. Who's the one person that died that second death? Jesus. Jesus. And he died it so you don't have to. He died it. He died that death because of everything you've done wrong. And you can, you can choose to accept his death, the second death, or you can say, no, I'm going to do that. This is the whole point of the third angel's message, really. Revelation 14, we have all these terrible things. They worship the beast. They worship his image. They have the mark. They have the number. They have the mark. Those are all the first four commandments. By the way, you've broken all first four commandments, too. It's not just some beast power. You're a beast. I'm a beast. Yes or no? You've broken all those. And the, big, the good news is this, that he became sin for you. That he took the wrath of God for you. That he died the second death for you. No one's died except for one person, and it's Jesus, the second death. And that's the point. The promise that he gives to Peter is a promise that he could give to you and still gives to you and me. So this is not busy work. And what he asks today is, do you really want a new start? A new start that never stops. Or are you just going to settle for a new start? How many want more than a new start? You want eternal life. Don't settle for the 10 years, the 10 minutes, the little tidbits. Settle for the rest. Settle for the rest.
So that's basically all I had to say. I feel like I should say one last thing. And I was thinking, what should that be just now? You know when it changed for me? And it's still changing for me. It has to always be dynamic and new, but the big, huge move for me was when I saw how God actually revealed himself through the prayers of my mother. You know that song we heard today, I know whom I have believed it in, believed in. I believe that he's able to keep that which I've committed us from first second Timothy chapter one. But before it, it says, I saw the faith that was in your mother, in your grandmother Lois, and now in you. And sometimes as a person of faith, like Tony, or like someone else, when I was ready to end my life, I called my mother. And when I called my mother, she said to me, someone's trying to end your life, Don. Someone's trying to kill you. I want you to promise me that you're going to come home. I said, what are you talking about? She said, someone is trying to kill you, Donnie. I want you to promise me you're going to come home. And I, I knew who that was that was trying to end my life. I knew them personally. I knew it was me. But what I didn't realize was what I didn't really believe until that moment really was, is there a God who knows that and cares? And my mother was connected with God through prayer and somehow he communicated that to my mother. You see, God works through the body. He works through the body of Christ. Someone told me the other day, I don't believe in God! All you people around here at Weimar, you're just weird Mar. He actually wrote a poem about it. Weird Mar. He read it to me. Weird Mar. It was a hilarious poem. Weird Mar. But at the end of it, you know what he said? He actually now has come to Christ, become a baptized church member. He's accepted life eternal. But you know what changed it for him? He says, man, you guys were so weird. But what was so weird about you was how you didn't have any condemnation against me. Everything I said, you were just like, oh yeah, we've heard that before. You didn't pile on. You just taught me what to do. The massage therapist prayed with me each time. So what kind of massage therapist prayed with you? This person did that. This person did the other. And there was love. How does God express his love? Through his body. And maybe what you've experienced here is the love of God that's been demonstrated through very flawed individuals, which makes it even more powerful. And I've seen it again and again and again. The real thing that brings us to belief is the love of God. Seen not only in what we read about him, but seen in his body, the body of Christ. How many want to accept that love today? You want to say, I believe. You want to say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Strengthen me, guide me, lead me. I believe. Help my unbelief. And how many want to extend that love? So I want to be used by you. I don't care if it's like provocative statements like Tony. You don't know how to pray. That's probably not for all of us, that call. I was sitting in Amazing Facts. I was working there at the time when Tony died. I got the phone call. Someone says, you know that man Tony you told the story about? He died today. I knelt down right there by my desk. Because that was another rung in my faith journey. 
And I thank God for Tony. Thank God for Tony. That out of all the people in that little seminar, he followed me and chased me through the woods and, and wouldn't let go. Thank God for that. Thank God for Mark, who talked to me. Thank God for whoever it is. Sometimes it's the biggest annoyance in your life that God is using. How many of you have ever had a special annoyances? I look up at that phrase. I looked at that phrase in this Ellen White's writing, special annoyance. That's all these characteristics. I've had many special annoyances. But God uses those. This is his recruitment strategy. How many are thankful for God's recruitment strategy? He calls those things which are not as though they are. And somehow, through the miracle of belief, what he says ends up happening. How many want that to happen? He that began a good work to complete it in you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you today for this recruitment strategy. <laughs> well, it's still working today. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Make it clear what the next step is for each person here. For some of it, some of us, it's different things. But reveal exactly what it is to everyone here within my hearing. And also to even me, myself. And we thank you. We come in Christ's name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.